politics Some culture and craft beer Politics And that is why you're here Politics Adam's up Welcome to Potoms Up. Fred and Blotto discuss the politics of today, the culture of our lives, and the beer of our state. Potoms Up. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Here we are again with the Potoms Up gang, episode 72. Uh, musically, this was a bleak year. this was a rough and ugly research project but i did come up with a a couple uh, almost meaningless ones so don mclean released american pie 72 and uh from our gang of friends that that kind of hits home for at least some of us that's a very important song in our history as as a group of friends. Yes, yeah, it really is. is. We we all had that played at our weddings, and I think it was. Did how we use an eight track? Because I remember it had to stop. No, we had the forty five. Oh, that's what it was, and it was two sided. Yeah. <laughs> so so, yeah. so he would play. He would play it, and we would all be dancing, and then he had to flip it over. So there was the pause. And uh, we all knew kind of like when that pause was coming and, and everybody would stop dancing and then he would flip the 45 over. And even I think when he had the opportunity to to play it digitally uh, in subsequent years, he always made sure he brought the 45. Yep. Ah, good guy. Good guy. So, yeah, American Pie came out in 72 and that song went to number one. And then the. This is how dry it was for 72. The next thing of note was it was the first year for Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. <laughs> well, that's when it started. <laughs> yeah, I probably just, you probably just should have left it at the Don McLean thing. Well, you like to be musically queried. So there were four stars, four bands or stars that were on. So I, I want to see if you can just get any one of the four. Oh my God. Uh, Jackson five. No. Uh, one was a Canadian lady. Uh, Linda Ronson. It's not Canadian. Is she? Nope. <laughs> uh, Carol King's not Canadian. Is she? Yeah, I believe she is, but it's not her. Okay. Well, let's not keep folks waiting. All right. It was Helen Reddy. Oh, Al, really? Al Green. I am woman. Hear me roar. Yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears and three dog night. Huh. So anyways, now we got through that misery. How are you doing tonight, Blato? I'm doing fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Another beautiful day outside. Uh, Michigan weather is delivering. And Nobs, yourself? I'm pretty good. Good yeah. to be here. Work, work from home today? I did, yeah. My work from home day, which I really, really enjoy, and see if we can keep that going for a bit. So you're already drunk? Eh, I've had a couple. I'm fine. 
<laughs> He's one of those IT guys. They function fine whenever. <laughs> and tonight joining us, we have a special guest. Um, this guest and I go back, oh, some 35, 36 years ago. Um, we were in the Air Force together, and uh, he was my first roommate, and we managed to save friends all this time. So I'd like to introduce to you a dear old friend, Red, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. How's it going, Red? Welcome. Thank you for having me to the podcast tonight. Uh, I'm Red. I'm a teacher in, in Minneapolis. I've lived here for the most part my whole life, except for my time in the military where I was Fred's roommate. Um, I have taught in Minneapolis now for 20 years. Uh, I love the city and I have lots to share with you. So I'm so, real excited about being here tonight. Yeah, no, we're happy to have you. You're like, you know, the first person we've spoken to that's sort of at ground zero, if you will, with, you know, the most, uh, the most recent uh, uh, stuff that's been happening uh, and has created, you know, quite the, uh, the political stir around the country. So um, I'm hoping to pick your brain uh, about what that's like for you uh, to, uh, to be kind of right there in the heart of the matter. And, and then, you know, all the other things. One, you know, I, this is the first time I've ever spoken to you, Red, but uh, I, I know that you're mutual friends with, with Fred. And uh, I kind of follow some of your comments on, on Facebook. And, um, you know, you certainly, I, I, I believe, of the like-minded, um, but you always add a lot, you know, additional perspective, I, I would say to, you know, with the comments that you bring um, in the political landscape. So uh, looking forward to uh, having you on the podcast, but hey, uh, let's get to the beer because yeah, 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 yeah. I hear you. Waitress, I'm parched. Yeah. So who's, whose beers were these? Because I got knobs. issues. This is this is knobs. <laughs> you do have issues. Yes. <laughs> okay, knobs. Intro. Uh, this is Oddside Ales Fight Milk Stout. Uh, it says uh, four bodyguards by bodyguards. What does that mean? <laughs> Has anyone watched Always Sunny in Philadelphia? No. no. Really. Love it. Yes. Do you get the reference? Yes. Of course. Awesome. <laughs> I'm glad someone is cultured on this show. Well, that's why we asked them on. <laughs> yes. no, so it's sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. So in the show, uh, two of the characters, Dennis and Mac, they create a uh, a bodybuilding protein drink, and they call it Fight Milk. But it contains, uh, I think, vodka and dairy and growth hormones and all this other stuff and it blows up in their face but this is an obvious reference to it so i had to buy it and Oddside is known for referencing always sunny so uh did you buy it because it was on clearance no god no this was expensive (laughs) it it, it is so far out of season so I, I went to two places looking for this, and they looked at me sideways, like, uh, "Yeah, that is that that that's long gone. It's properly aged." Then, uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know if it's out of season because I don't know when they last brewed it, but it's also out of season because you know we're we're kind of out of stout season, and there's probably 
people out there that be like, hey, you know, it's never out of season for a stout, and I will drink a stout in the summertime myself. But um, it's difficult What's to find. What's the alcohol on this thing? Oh, I don't know. Eight? Uh, eight? You know, I don't even know. 8.0. Yeah, it's 8.0. Well, there you go. You're welcome. I, I, I like the beer. So I, I, I've seen the show. I just didn't see this particular episode. So I can appreciate why you were excited about it. So I'll back you up. Thank you. All right. Let's crack this thing open and uh, see what a stout tastes like in the middle of the hot, dry Michigan summer. Uh, it's not even it, that it's, hot outside. Oh, woe is me. No, it, it's not. And like I said, I'll, I'll forego the seasonality. Uh, I poured mine, got a really nice head on it. Yep, very same. frothy. Uh, comes out thick and oily. Um, y- you know, this is a basic stout, right? There's, It's not, you know chocolate infused or maple syrup or whatever. Um, so, you know, you just got to have to think of it in, in those terms. First sweet for first taste for me was a little sweet, but I'm like three sips in already. And that's really starting to mellow out. Yeah, I would agree. I just took my second sip. Oh, there's, there's a lingering aftertaste. Do you have that too? Uh, not that I noticed right away, but I'll taste again. Fred, what are you what are you picking up? I agree with the um, the initial sweet on the first swig. Um, not really going away for me. I'm about three in. Um, it's a stout, nice, heavy, decent head on it. Not blown away. But it's yeah. Okay. No, it- it, it's probably a pretty good uh, stout. Maybe there's some coffee in it. It's almost a burnt taste. Burnt, I, yes. I, I right. think I'm picking up what Nobbs is putting down. It's a little bit of a uh, burnt, lingering aftertaste. I'm not. Does the sweet converted to burnt? So I'm not so sure on this. The the aftertaste is that bitter aftertaste. It's not the hoppy aftertaste, right? I mean, right, right, uh, yes. It, it, it is definitely bitter, like coffee, like burnt coffee. Which I'm not saying that's necessarily a, a turnoff. I mean, some people like that flavor. A lot of people like that flavor. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm going to probably have to see how well I enjoy it through the episode before I make a call. And as normal, I won't turn it away, but going to give it at least half half a bottle. See where we end up. It, it's got a very light aroma. I did not check the bouquet. I will now, though. And I and and I like it. It smells great. And, yeah, that's a good smelling beer. You know, it's a. I'm I'm trying to get any light through it. It is oily, dark as they come. Yeah, Exxon Valdez oily. Yeah, you're not seeing through that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I, I think right now it's gonna it's gonna be a not for me though. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, Fred, you were gonna say something to to Red about. Beer? Well, I, well, I, I thought we were kind of wrapping up there, and but continue on. No, no, no. That's what I was. I was. I was throwing that over to you. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> Red is is not a a beer drinker, so it's not that we cheated him out of a beer or anything. He just does not partake. So he he 
may have a beer review for us provided by uh, his sweet young daughter. I do. I do, Fred. I have a review of a very popular Minnesota beer. Uh, oh, goody. Surly Brewing uh, Brewing is a is a kind of a ten year old startup brewery in in, uh, in Minneapolis. Uh, if you come to Minneapolis, they have a really nice uh, brewery restaurant bar in uh, in southeast Minneapolis. So if you ever come here, you should make sure you get there. Um, but the beer that I'm going to review is the uh, Surly Furious IPA. Uh, and it's a very strong beer, so I think the alcohol level might be as high as 8.9%. Uh, but according to my daughter, it has a yummy amber-colored uh, – it's a yummy amber-colored IPA. It's got soft notes of citrus for those that like a refreshing taste while maintaining a strong, happy aroma similar to most other IPAs. It's balanced with a slightly sweet, caramelly, what is that? Something. Caramel. Uh, Yes. What does it say? I wrote it too. Oh, caramelly tone. That's what it says. And a refreshing, bitter finish. However, be careful. The alcohol content is high. So she is a a beer connoisseur. And and I would say that if she says it's a pretty good one, when you you, uh, see it, you should try it. Surly Furious IPA. Noted. Beautiful cans. It's a beautiful place. Uh, You know, we've done a few red IPAs, and we generally like them. Uh, Did he uh, say red? Yeah. It's it's an amber IPA. It's a red amber IPA. I'm I'm, I'm looking at it on uh, on their site right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's it's very popular here. Hmm. I like my IPA, so I'm sure I would love it. Mm. And uh, Surly Brewing looks like uh, uh, somehow has you know road trip written all over it. It's a very it's a very neat place, and, and Minneapolis is a fun place to be. I I, I get there quite a bit uh, pre COVID. Um, I, I I travel for work, and I have a number of customers in the area, um, and uh, I do like Minneapolis a lot. Yes. Even in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to let me know the next time you come, and I'll take you on a tour. Yeah, it's 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 too bad we haven't made that connection before because, like I said, I, I'm i probably, like pre-COVID, I was probably there at least once a quarter, at least. Are, um, are you a bike rider? Uh, not particularly, not, not to your standards. I can, I can ride a bike. I like riding a bike. I'll do it for exercise, but I'm probably not keeping up with you. (laughs) It's a phenomenal place to ride bikes. You can ride, Uh, ride hundreds of miles and not have to deal with any traffic. Now, can you take them up into the, into the catwalks and go from building to building in them? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, this way you could still ride them in the wintertime. They have the segways and some other things that you can use in the skyways, though. Oh, oh. cool. Um, any anything more to add about the beer before we move on? No. All right. Uh, so, uh, Red, um, you know, obviously, I mean, you know, we could have had you on at any particular time, and it's great that you've been able to connect with. 
with Fred, uh, old uh, Navy pals. Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Whoops. Um, Why would you even do that? Uh, I, 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 wish, I, I wish I could say I did it on purpose. How about that? <laughs> That's an insult to any Air Force men, by the way. Uh, We're not squids. <laughs> yeah, you're wing nuts. We're death. We're just from not right wing nuts. That's that's the only difference. We are death from above. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You and your dentures. in the dental chair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Red. Were, were you in the same like vocation that 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 Fred was? I worked in the X-ray department, uh, and and Fred was in the dental department. But we were within the same building, literally. You know. 50 feet, 50 to 60 feet away from each other. Uh, and so that's that's how close we were. Yeah, ah. we were medical squadron. So it included all the different uh, AFSCs, the different occupations. But we all worked in the same clinic and stayed in the same dormitory. Hey, um, Red, before we get started on the, on the protest and, and George Floyd and, and what it's like to be in Minneapolis, you you were talking um, before we, we were talking before we started to record and uh, uh, about what you do and uh, you teach immigrants uh, adult immigrants isn't that what you said yes and I, and I think that's pretty fascinating and, and certainly admirable um, is is your focus teaching them English or is it uh, other like what, 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 when, when you say you're teaching immigrants, what are you teaching them? So really, and, and I think this is a, a perspective of mine in a way, I, I'm really trying to teach them survival words so that they can function uh, on a daily basis in society. I think, you know, some of my colleagues might think of it as teaching, reading and all that. I, I, I look at it as I'm trying to, to help them to be able to converse with their doctor, to be able to buy groceries and, and you know, converse with people, deal with their money. So, so it's more than just that. I think making sure that they can, they can live their daily lives is, is what we're trying to do. Yeah. So it, it's, it's almost more like conversational English. Yes. In some respects. Yes. You know, I, I, many people may not know this, but there's a huge immigrant population in uh, Minneapolis. Um, uh, especially uh, Middle Eastern, um, uh, what percent, like what, what does your immigrant makeup look like for the, for the people that you teach? So I teach, it's interesting. I teach uh, mostly Somalian uh, people. Oh, that too. Exactly. Yes. I, oh, yes. Uh, we have an incredible, uh, you know, 200,000 uh, Somalian immigrants in the Twin City areas, which is, Correct. you know, yeah. of, of, you know, three and a half million people. Uh, what I found and what's been really uh, heartwarming is that, you know, I had a perspective on Somalian people that was based on a, a complete lack of knowledge. And as I'm working with them, uh, what I found is, you know, Somalian people are very, family oriented they're very educationally oriented um they're very political um they're they're not at all what i thought they were and so it's been a really great learning experience for me uh doing that but then i'm also working with 
Spanish speakers and, mm-hmm. and uh, from Colombia, uh, lots of them from Uruguay. Um, where's the, oh, Ecuador. I was surprised at how many are from Ecuador. That's a different group of people. And I, and I, and I often wonder if Americans really understand. We don't. We, they, as, a, as a group, Americans don't understand. Absolutely. So, so Somalians don't have the fear of being in America illegally. And so there's a power that goes with that that my Spanish speakers don't have. Wow. Uh, my, a lot, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm thinking a lot of my Spanish speakers are here illegally. Uh, uh, but again, you know, they're trying to learn English and it is so hard to learn English. And I say to them every day, how thankful I am that, that they're trying to learn English because, you know, they're, they're here and they're trying to do the right thing, but the Spanish speakers have no protection. And I worry about what's happened to them since I've seen them because, uh, they are, you know, they're working jobs 40 hours a week. They don't get vacation pay. They don't get sick pay. Uh, they don't get any of the benefits that go along with the rest of us. And so it's been a huge learning experience. And so maybe we'll come on and we'll talk about that someday because uh, what I see in the difference between those two groups is is pretty heartbreaking because, you know, our country has been built by a lot of illegal aliens. And, and it seems to me that we've just uh, punished them over and over again. And so hopefully we'll, you know, again, with the, with the George Floyd protests, let's hope everybody can, you know, we can wake up and see what we're doing. Yeah. The, the reason I, I brought it up is, is, you know, in the, immig- in the, in the discussion about immigrants, so often you hear this word assimilation and uh, you know, I always like to challenge people in, in, in says, okay, what, what do you really mean by assimilation? If you're only talking about speaking the language, which is not even mandated in this country, which is a good thing, but, you know, we don't have a national language. But, you, you know, it, it gets very interesting when you start talking to people that are sort of anti-immigrant, anti-immigrant, anti-immigration uh, about what they really want, because they don't want assimilation. They just want, you know, less immigrants. And they use things like assimilation to make them sound, you know, a little bit more cerebral about it. But when you drill down, you know, they, they really don't have anything to say. And, uh, I, you know, kind of what you do is you really get an opportunity to witness those people that truly want to be part of America and truly do want to assimilate, at least as far as it goes into the language. I mean, the, the rest of assimilation is basically following the laws that we have in the country, which everybody has to do, right? And you know, I don't care if you were born here. If you don't follow the laws, you're doing a lousy job of assimilating, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you, you know, I, I, it, it's just kind of a peeve of mine whenever I hear the word uh, assimilate as it relates to immigration, and it's another red herring argument. But it's it's uh, uh, it's interesting that that you get to really see how, uh, on a day to day basis, how badly these people do want to air quotes assimilate. They how, how how they want to you know be able to function in society? How, how about we we put it that way? And I I think that's just really admirable. And you're right, that's a a topic for another day. But and can I add one thing too, Blotto? And, and yeah, please. 
that if you if you read anything about the history of Somalia, I mean, it is amazing what has happened. I mean, they didn't have any government. That was the rule of whoever was the toughest. I mean, it was it was made up of groups of families, and and whoever was the toughest was the one who got to make the rules. And so they're coming to America with that as their background, and and many people, especially girls, didn't get education in Somalia, and so they're coming to America with a really lack of, of understanding of what they, what they're supposed to do. And so it's kind of like starting from ground zero. Um, but, and, and the other thing I was going to say too, is that um, people, people frustrate me in that, you know, when we think about the, the Spanish speakers, especially uh, they do so much for us. They, they work in our restaurants, they work in our stores, they do landscaping. And now that they're gone, now that they're now that they're the economy changed or maybe the whatever's happening here changed you're not seeing as much work done and i worry so much about what's happened to those people because they don't have a safety net yeah no that's it, it, and, and and you know as much as people want to talk about um you know stopping illegal immigration so to speak you know we really need to uh, address the folks that are here and there's really only one end to that in my mind, and that is we need to develop an in-country path to citizenship. And uh, until we have that, we're never going to really solve um, uh, the immigration problems that we have of, of people living in the shadows, not being able to, um, you know, uh, work in proper conditions with proper employers and, and those kinds of things and be a part of society with that when they need those social safety nets, um, you know, and until that happens, uh, uh, you know, the rest of it is, is just bloviating in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So we were talking about, uh, Minneapolis and, you know, I, like I said earlier, that was sort of, I don't know, maybe it's, not the right way to put it in terms of ground zero because it's a it's a human life but um you know when when everything was made public and you're in Minneapolis because I'm trying to think about if it was happening in my town did you get a sense right away that this was going to be big yes uh what i knew was that there was tension in place from some, you know, recent previous problems with the police. So I was pretty sure as well as others that once this happened, that there was going to be some very strong reactions on the part of, of people. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think that has gotten a lot of national press, but, uh, Minneapolis police do not have necessarily the greatest reputation in, in, in terms of racial bias. Uh, historically, uh, it's been, you know, year after year of, of trying to figure it out. We've had many, you know, citizen review panels, uh, political infighting, trying to fix the problems and, and nothing has worked. Do you, as a white guy like us, do, do you feel safe, served and protected by the police? Do, do you feel like the white privilege thing keeps you guys safe, why the people of color are not given the, the, the same treatment? 
absolutely. Yeah, I I do feel safe. I don't feel like the police are watching me. Although you know, there's been a, I I walk a lot, and so I especially in the winter, I I put clothes on. I look kind of grubby, and and so I you know, a couple of cops have given me stuff, looked at me, but no, uh, Minneapolis is a really an awful place for people of color uh, in the profiling and treatment of of them because you know I have many friends this guy I work with he's a teacher as well um, and and he's just such a good good guy I mean he's just he's a role model for me and he's younger than me I mean he's just a good guy he was pulled over for doing 32 in a 30 mile an hour zone and I've heard that story so many times from people. And that's what Minneapolis cops do. Yeah. Um, it, it, what's really frustrating right now about the conversation uh, that's happening is, you know, everything is kind of going into a camp, right? And they, 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 they want to pit this against, you know, people versus police. And, um, that's really not what the discussion should be about. It, it should be about what the data and the facts show are the racial biases and criminal injustice inequalities that are happening across the country and how to fix that, right? We all don't need to sit there and talk about which cops are good and which cops are bad. We've got to talk about how do we fix the problem. And the problem is real. And what you're hearing from this administration and what you're hearing from other right wingers is there's no there's, there's no racial bias in our law enforcement because they have to say that they have to deny its existence otherwise they would have to do something about it so they well, ha- know that's not going to happen right so they've painted themselves into the corner to say there is no racial bias and they're they, they they want to just brush all these all the data all all these incidents all of these examples um, off as like one offs and, and not look at it uh, in, in a total picture. And when you live in towns that have real issues, um, like you're talking about in in Minneapolis, um, was. Uh, Philandro Castile, was that also in Minneapolis? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you know, and and then you can, you know, look at even like, you know, small towns and midtowns. I, I I forget. I think it was a place in Florida a couple years ago where they had to fire all of the cops because they were all like racist or something. And, you know, I think it was the Obama administration shut them down. But, uh, yeah, it's it's. It's just crazy about, in my opinion, the dialogue. And the dialogue has not been about debating the data. The dialogue has been about, no, that doesn't happen. This is just, this is just you know, one cop doing something that was, you know, maybe wrong. Like, we still don't know enough about this or whatever. And it's like, it's really not about this one incident. I mean, he, he was a trigger point, George Flo- uh, George Floyd. And um, it's sad that it takes that to happen. That's 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 the part that I, I, I you know, if, if George Floyd doesn't die on film, on film, there's there's no protest. There's there's there, there's no big cry for change. 
and I'm not saying that that is uh, how do I want to put this. It's, I, I, you know, if it wasn't him, it would have been somebody else, right? That would have created the, the the uprising. But that doesn't change the fact that it's still prevalent. Well, what's amazing is that the protests are about police abuse, and it continues. <laughs> In spite of the cameras and the protest, they continue to behave in the same way that they have previously. And, you know, that might be surprising, but it's really not because they're not they're not changing their behavior in any way. Right. I mean, they're you know, this is just what it is. And, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of, um, you know, one, one area where I'm really disappointed in, in this uh, broader discussion uh, are the police unions. Uh, you know, I, I, I expect more out of the police union leadership. And I am uh, woefully uh, mistaken about that. Well, Blotto, just to give you an idea in Minneapolis here. So today, there was a big protest calling for the union head's resignation. Uh, Bob Kroll is his name. And he is a staunch right-wing racist and he has come out and said that as as many times as he can and he he was going to be on stage with donald trump in his uniform until the mayor uh didn't let that happen so in minneapolis they're trying to to make that change but it's not easy yeah no because what's interesting in most cases uh around the country big city police chiefs are much more understanding of the communities, most. Um, and, you know, they are oftentimes proponents of more progressive policies. Not all, you know, we're not talking, um, we're just talking in generalities. But then when I hear about the police unions, and the police unions are not kind of, they're, they're falling in line, you know, protect your brother in blue at all costs kind of mentality. Um they, they do themselves, in my opinion, more harm than good. And I'm as pro-union as they get. As I am. I, I want them to be better. That's all. You know what I mean? I just want them to step up and say, we have to do a better job of policing ourselves. But it's, it's, it, it's, it's, not, it's not in their DNA, the, the police unions. At least I don't think it is. Um, so uh, were you a part of any of the local protests? Uh, I attended a couple protests, uh, you know, with the COVID thing, I tried to be a, a real thoughtful. It was difficult because a lot of people weren't wearing masks and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But there have been, you know, I've been to two protests now, one at the site of the memorial oh, okay. uh, and then one at, one at the Capitol. So, Do you live near the memorial? Well, it, I, you know, a mile, maybe three or four miles, but my, my doctor's office uh, was on that corner. So from, you know, Till I was 20, I went to the doctor right there. Uh, so, Red, yeah. you're in Minneapolis proper? I, actually, I'm, I'm right across the Mississippi River in St. Paul. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm literally five minutes from Minneapolis. Oh, okay. All right. But I, I've lived my whole life within 10 miles of, of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, I've been to St. Paul many times as well. Yeah, cool I'm right back college. Uh, I kind of only know where the little convention center is, and then that's adjacent to the hockey rink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Red. When, yes. when you went 
when you attended the um, protest that you did, was there any um, trouble? Was the looting going on or did you find it to be peaceful when you were? All of the protests after the first two nights, at least during the daytime, were all really well done protests, very professional, um, lots of real, um, real noted, what, noted speakers. Uh, so that was all good. Most of the damage was done after dark, you know, after the first two nights. Is it continuing or do you see it slowing down? No, it's, it's been done now for about the last three or four nights, maybe five. Um, the you know, protests I, or the damage? Yeah, the protests continue. But okay. there hasn't been any damage for four or five days. I'm a little I, that that has me a little. I, I'm not sure what to think. If you know, if if we went came down a little hard on the protesters, uh, even though there was damage, there really wasn't that much. And I'm not sure if we, you know, if we overstepped our boundaries. But but it stopped. Do you think the peaceful protests are continuing? To have a head of steam, or do you see them as waning? Uh, I I think they're still going strong. Today's protest uh, had a lot of people there. Um, I I I think that we're going to keep going with it. I think there's enough support at the highest levels. The police chief, the mayor, they're all on board with the police defunding piece. Police defunding? Wait a minute! You can't defund the police. Again, you know, we talked about that. It's a little terminology is a little bit uh, is kind of a sticking point, but somehow we have to change. And I don't know what that looks like. But, but uh, you know, to, I hear what you're saying. But to those people that aren't going to take the time to understand what defund police or the or the or the wide range, the scope of what that can mean, uh, I, 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 I just lose patience for them. And and, and maybe it's short-sighted and maybe that's why, you know, progressives lose elections because, you know, our, our slogans can be, uh, you, uh, you know, called out for, you know, extreme points of views. But, uh, you know, defunding police doesn't mean we're going to close police departments and everybody is just going to be on their own, okay? Although... The right wing nut jobs would like that because they all want to carry. So why, you know, I would think they'd want to defund the police so they could just go around shooting everybody that they feel. I think that we, I, I don't know, we stick with defund police. I mean, I, I'm not saying that we we rebrand it something more palatable for the right wing knuckleheads to understand. You know, it kind of pisses me off. <laughs> Well, and the problem, Blotto, is that they won't, they won't educate. I know they won't. I know. But so in the end, then fuck them. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like Black Lives Matter, right? And, and, and over time, it's interesting. I, I always think that, that over time, the truth does bubble to the surface in most things. And, uh, you, you know, I don't, you, you hear a little bit about, BLM and All Lives Matter, but not like you did three and four years ago. Uh, you know, it was created out of uh, St. Louis, I believe, right? Um, what? Out of Ferguson? Yeah, Ferguson, right. And, you know, 
everyone was, you know, all the right wings were, were, were kind of up in arms about it. There's still some of that today, but not as much and not as much from the right wing media. You, 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 you hear it from, you know, people, um, you know, on the internet or your friends or whatever that don't quite understand it, but they really do understand it. I don't think there's very many politically minded people anymore that they don't really know and understand what Black Lives Matter means. They might they might want to say they don't, but they really, really do. And I think the same thing's going to happen with defund police. That, yeah, now it's a slogan, you know, oh, you know, you don't want to live with the rule of law, whatever, whatever. But give it time. The true meaning of what that what, what that really means will uh, will nest itself with the general public. I, I think. Well, you got to admit, per the norm, it just seems that the left can't help but coming up with slogans like that that <laughs> leaves leaves the soft white underbelly exposed. So we have to put up with dumbass sounding like a, a deranged parrot talking about defunding the police over and over every day. You know, I, but, 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 but Fred, don't you think that no matter what they came up with, I mean, even if they called it, you know, reform police, you know, they would, they would attack well, it. Don't, from make some it other e- angle. don't make it easy for them is my point. I, I hear you. I hear you. But I, I just, and, and, and to that extent, like, if anyone is listening to us and they fear the idea of defund police, it just means a lot of different things. And every community can attack it in its own way, right? I mean, w- one of the things that I really uh, seem to uh, kind of gravitate towards in, in terms of its meaning is let's pull police away from those things that they really shouldn't be involved with. Like right. Riots? Um, it, you know, no, I, I mean like mental health problems, you know, uh, a, a lot of uh, social issues, uh, you know, truancy, um, you know, to a certain extent, immigration, um, you know, oftentimes they're the front line. You know, keep police focused on violent crimes and criminals, I don't know, speeding, whatever, enforcing the laws. But in America, if 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 we see somebody going down the street who doesn't look quite right to us, I'm not talking about color, but, you know, more like mental illness. Right. What do we do? We call the police that and, and, and what that does is that creates problems. You know what I mean? Because then the police pull up just one, just, you know, one example, the police pull up, you know, they shout some orders at the guy. He doesn't, he or she doesn't respond. They're confused. They're lost. Maybe they speak the language. Maybe they don't get down, get down. They don't know what to do. And then the fireworks start. Somebody ends up dead. I mean, it's just, you know, when that didn't have to happen. Right. I mean, so, you know, our, our favorite little, you know, de- debater on Facebook there, Fred, uh, you know, he keeps bringing up to fund police as they want to cut their pay, <laughs> which I'm not I'm not going to debate right now whether police are overpaid or underpaid right now. It's interesting discussion. 
But I can't find anything <laughs> anywhere that says defund police means pay them less. <laughs> and and this, is, this is what he has read this as. Blotto, that's the difficulty in having a conversation with, with Trump supporters right now is that they, they then fall off the edge and say something that you go, you ask yourself, what? How can yeah, I respond to that? Right. And, and then I go down their rabbit hole. Right. Then, then, I'm, then I'm trying to explain this has nothing to do with paying police less. And, and in fact, really, if we wanted to have that discussion, I'm all in favor of paying police more because you'll get better people. Yeah. So I, I don't know. The, the defund slogan, uh, I hear you, Fred. The soft underbelly does get exposed. Um, but it just, it just you just got to sometimes get sick of getting lumps laid on you when you didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just seems like we, we stick our chin out there way too many times. And, and I, I sort of understand it. Sometimes it, it's out of high, highly emotional times and that come, that term comes out and it gets glommed onto and here we go. But, oh. um, Nobbs and I, in pre-gaming, um, we're, we're talking about the, the police thing, and uh, I know he wanted to ask a question of, of Red. Um, I was just curious about the the disbanding of the city police. Your thoughts on that? Uh, well, again, uh, Minneapolis is is taking that very seriously. They're they are on the road uh, to doing that. The Minneapolis City Council uh, is is you know in in the majority uh, looking for that to happen. Um, you know, I, I don't know what that'll look like and nobody really knows what it looks like. So I think, um, on, I think on the part of white people, they're a little nervous. And I think on the part of, uh, everybody else, the black people and, and, and the other minority groups, they're excited about it because, uh, Minneapolis police are racist and they've just been that way for a long time. Uh, and so how do we fix that? And, and it's going to change, uh, but there'll still be police. I mean, there's just no way we can't have police. But they're gonna- does it go? Does it go to uh, like the county police, like sheriffs instead? Like you talked about, when there's a mental health case, instead of sending two, you know, military outfitted with guns officers, they'll send a social worker and a psychiatrist. And so instead of spending, you know, what fifteen million on police weaponry, they'll put that fifteen million dollars into social workers and to other people to help respond to things. And so that's my initial thought or initial reading of what's going to happen, but I'm excited about it. When I first heard it, I was a little, a little worried, but I'm, I'm turning the road or turning the edge and really looking forward to it. Yeah. This has been done before. I was reading an article, uh, Camden, New Jersey. Yep. Did it seven years ago. I think it was, it was a handful of years ago and they saw a drastic improvement in their crime rate. And a lot less complaints, a lot less issues. I heard a stat, and I, I haven't verified this, so you know, take it for what it is. But we spend twice as much on law enforcement in this country than we do social safety net programs. I heard the same stat. And and just think for a second if that was flipped. If you had that much more money in social safety net programs, you would naturally spend half as much on law enforcement. 
you wouldn't need to spend that much on law enforcement. And, you know, at the same time, you'd be benefiting society. So, and Blado, look at there's two more things to think about, too. Not only would that matter in the area of police, but think about what effect that would have on the court systems and the prison systems and how much money we would save there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it absolutely uh, goes uh, downstream through the whole criminal justice system. I mean, the savings we would get from that would, would pay for all of the services that we need. That would be uh, trickle down, right? <laughs> Real trickle down. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, even if we just really laxed, and we're starting to, but did even more so just on uh, drug laws, um, uh, you know, that would have a huge savings in the criminal justice system as well. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I doubt you did, um, uh, Fred. Notice, but I don't think you would. But um, I'm, I'm friends with a, a an ex police officer on on Facebook, and um, he's now an insurance salesman. Uh, but he's still he, holding he, a gun to people's heads. <laughs> <laughs> but he's you know very. I, I, I hate to characterize him as as a Trumpster, but he's he, he's you know, leans that way conservative. And, you know, what, what he said to me when I, when I mentioned what he said, oh, this was, this was brilliant. He was buying into the idea that the 75 year old man who hit his head or, or, you know, was pushed down and bled from his ears, that he deliberately helped his own fall. Well, he was Antifa. <laughs> And, and and I was like, you got to be, you know, you got to be kidding me, Chris. You really think that he deliberately fell to make that push look worse? And it was just sort of. And so then I spoke to him about the larger narrative about racial bias in the criminal justice system, both from policing, prosecutions, arrests, sentencing, all of those things. And his his comeback to me was. He gave breaks to more black kids than he should have. Wow. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, and you know, and and, I, and and so my comeback to him was, it, it's it's probably difficult for you to see the data from being on the street, like pick up a book and read about criminal justice inequality, right? Like like don't assume that you believe you are acting as the fair arbiter on the street for all the criminal justice system. Besides the fact that what he said could be interpreted as terribly racist. <laughs> you know, I also could have said, well, how many breaks did you give to white kids? Like it was, <laughs> but, but I, down the lacrosse team. but, but I also didn't <laughs> funny. Uh, I also didn't expect him to say, yeah, I saw a lot of racism while I was a cop. Like I didn't expect that in a public forum, you know? One of our oh. other buddies who's a meme specialist, speaking of the 75-year-old dude, did, did you see that one I commented on today? Uh, he was well, saying that, that the 75-year-old guy's been arrested 800 times at protest. <laughs> I shit and, you not. And what did that have to do with him being pushed down? Well, that, that was my reply. I said, okay, 
So your your Riot Gear thug guys knew ahead of time that this guy was the notorious 800 arrest rioter that still doesn't give you the right to throw the guy down because he didn't do anything to deserve it. Well, and, and the big problem with that particular scene is not that he fell over and they pushed him, which is wrong, but it's the reaction afterwards. I mean, all, what, what the reaction showed afterwards was they felt like they were in a war zone, that they were invincible, and that no matter what they did to people, they had no repercussions. That's the way I view that scene. Like, if there would have been concern for that man after he fell, okay, they pushed him, he tripped over his own feet, wh- however you want to put it, and, you know, but then there's concern and empathy, let's, you know, get this guy some help. It was, we're moving through the jungle here, uh, slash and burn anything in our way. I, I mean, that's what, to me, the takeaway was of that particular scene. Well, in the, in it's sort of an after-the-fact thing, but look at Dear Leader, that tweet that he put out there, that conspiracy theory, that that, that 75-year-old guy was in Tifa, in, in that, <laughs> oh my gosh, in, in that conspiracy theory was started from a guy who yeah. was a re- reporter from the Sputnik, which is was the Russian <laughs> state-run media outlet? And, and you uh, wonder, stop it, you're why, killing me, man. Well, you you wonder, there people are getting their marching orders from dear leader. Consider the source, right? You know, don't be surprised at the reactions you're getting from <laughs> online people when you have the nut job at the top saying stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, crazy. Yeah, right. uh, let's see here. Where are we going next, there, Fred? Can I add one thing, Fred? Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, I, I think what what's so frustrating for me is is to to see people believing just such dumb things. I mean, uh, where is your brain? How can you read this or listen to this and think that it's true? I mean, how do I stop from calling you the stupidest person I've ever met? I struggle with that so much with the people I love. You don't. You just say it. Don't oh. stop. <laughs> well, if you, now you got to be careful because if you say the wrong thing, you get thrown in Facebook jail like Pop-Tart yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Crazy to me. You know what, Red? It, it is is if you're like me, you start to question if you have a bad judge in character and you don't know how to <laughs> pick good friends. Because some of the people that I've seen act some of the ways that they do, it makes my head explode. And then I start to think, do I just pick dumb people for friends? None of you, present company not included. But, y- y- you know, because... Some of the people I parry with on uh, social media, I've known since I was in like kindergarten or preschool, and I was friends my whole life with them, never picked up on their stupidity tendencies, I guess. And now that they're revealing themselves for, I I don't know if this is what they are or they're just brainwashed. I I think think most of it is, and there's tons of science, you know, they just can't admit they're wrong. You know, I I think there's a a really large percent that really do know the truth about different things. And, you know, they're just either they can't admit they're wrong or like in the example of the 
racial bias that exists in our criminal justice system, they must deny it. Like you, you know what I mean? You know, Steve Mnuchin, I don't know why anyone cares what he thinks. Okay. But when he's asked about racial bias in law enforcement, he has to deny it. He can't say that, yes, it's there because all of a sudden, where's, where does his argument lead? And I, and I think that's in large part what many of even, uh, you know, uh, regular folk, okay, lack of, you know, better terms or whatever, but, you know, people that we know or whatever, that's that, you know, when you start thinking about their positions, they, they back themselves into corners that are untenable. Un, and so then they get to the point of being ridiculous, that their positions become ridiculous in order to substantiate their warped opinions about things. And you know that the sure sign when they've reached that level, they attack Gretchen every day. <laughs> <laughs> I've asked people online several times that are Trump supporters, if you believe in Trump, the next time I see your wife, I'm going to call her a dog. <laughs> I find Gretchen to be attractive. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm not. I don't think she's a dog. Uh, that's right. that's pretty good. How about we shift gears a little bit? Yeah, please. Did uh, did you hear the uh, Bolton book was being shipped as we speak? No, but you know what's funny about that? I I before this came back up into the news a couple of days ago. Maybe like shortly after the last episode or something, I I, I kind of had like a head scratch moment. I mean, I, I might have woke up in the middle of the night like in a cold sweat. Whatever happened to Bolton in his book? <laughs> we we talked about it on the last podcast. If you don't remember, my eyes were spinning in two different directions over Mattis, and then I I parlayed it into where the f is Bolton? Don't you recall that? that no, I don't. <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> That's what it was. You must have been uh, no pain last podcast. Yeah. yeah, it's when we were talking about Madison, like where the hell you been? The oh, last that's year. right. That's that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because he, he took you know a year and a half to finally come out and say something, and then I I was making the the rhetorical yes. sarcastic comment like, what are we waiting next for Bolton and his book, and where the hell was he? You know, and next and thing now, you know, it's in the news again. Here it comes. And, and it sounds like I, I think um, Dear Leader and his bunch have been trying to stop it, but it sounded like the book was shipping. So because they were reading ex, 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 parts of the book on excerpts. Uh, there you go. So, yeah, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting that this is finally surfacing and we had just spoken about it. So that's why I bring it up. Yeah. Uh. Has anybody read what some of the highlights are? I have not seen any of the accusations. Well, I was uh, finishing up work today. I had MSNBC on, and and they had just gotten news that it was coming out, and they had some small excerpts from it. But, uh, yeah, they weren't quoting it, but they were saying that there were other examples very similar to the, the thing Dear leader did to the president of the Ukraine, you know, the little arm twisting, mm-hmm. bribery, whatever you call it. So should be interesting if, if this thing hits the hits the air full, you know, the, the full book gets out and 
We will see. I won't give him any of my money. That's for sure. No. You know, you know, another thing that's coming up is that on the 19th of June, Deer Leader is planning on having his first maggot rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Any thoughts on that? Oh, uh, have you heard that all attendees must sign a waiver yeah, saying that of- if they catch COVID, they cannot sue him? Yeah, it's part of their, it's a disclaimer in getting a ticket. Yeah, yeah. Yet he insists that, you know, that he has the rally. It, it, it's like if you're so certain you should have the rally and that, you, you know, everything needs to be opened up again and needs to get back to normal, then why would you have this waiver, this disclaimer? It's ridiculous. And Oklahoma is right now one of the hot spots, one of the fastest growing COVID-19 areas in the country. And then also on the date. Yes. Yeah. The date and the place is also vitally important. They're, they're, what do they call it? Juneteenth. Juneteenth. That's it. Because there were riots and uh, slaughter, right? Of of American Indians? Uh, No, no, no. Of of black Americans. 300 to 3,000 died that day. When they, 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 they burned what was known as Black Wall Street, a district in Tulsa of, of, of a very prosperous community, primarily of blacks. And it was a, uh, a, a bellwether, if you would, of what black communities could look like in the South, even as they were segregated. But, uh, you, you know, they were very well run. And... Um, you know, the other Oklahomans uh, weren't having anything uh, like that in, in their backyard. And there are some there there are some things there was a what led to it was a uh, I believe a rape accusation. And uh, the, the woman that claimed it uh, years later, like decades later, eventually recanted that it, it wasn't uh, her friend uh, who was a, a young black guy. Um, and it just started this massive, uh, riot and slaughter uh, of this community. And the reason the range is so wide as to how many people died is because nobody knows. Like it was just, it just, it happened. And, uh, then the rest of Tulsa went around like, uh, you know, minding their own business, uh, you know, doing their own business. I think they just recently found like a mass grave, like a few years ago. Yeah, it, 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 it's when I first heard about this story, and it wasn't that long ago. I mean, this was a piece of American history that, y- y- you know, uh, you know, wasn't taught like it should have been. Um, and uh, the first time I heard about this was was probably maybe 10 years ago, maybe even less. And it was part of a book that I was reading and. um uh, and it took up a, a, a big chunk of it. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And then, you know, I do some more research about it. But it was truly remarkable. Well, I, I was going to say, doesn't it shock you? But I know it doesn't shock you that they plan this kind of shit on that kind of day. And then they 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 say, oh, we, we had no idea. We just decided that was the day we were going to do it. And whoopsie, it looks like it's 
in conflict with this day we probably shouldn't be holding it on. You know, isn't that the same thing they're doing down in Jacksonville with the convention? Does it is isn't that cool? Well, I don't I don't know that it's I, I I don't know what the the relationship with the Jacksonville thing is. Um and maybe you know more than I do. No. But 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 there, there's no question. There's no question that this is your classic dog whistle. I mean, you know, that's it, it doesn't get any more clear than this and and it's really not even a dog whistle. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, for, well, they, they know what they're doing. I heard dog whistle. What, what does that mean exactly? What do you mean so, by that? yeah, I, I guess the way I, I, I understand it is, you know, in a, with a dog whistle, you can't hear it, but the dog can, right? So you're not, you're not explicitly making a noise, but the dog can hear it. So when you say, you know, you're using, uh, you know, this coded language as a dog whistle, it, you're communicating it to the racist without actually explicitly saying, uh, oh, hey, we're doing this because this is great for the race base that I have, the racist base that I that, that I want to appeal to. That is so we're going to. Very well. Thank you. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's just the fact that they're doing it on the day of the Juneteenth. Is that what you called it? Yeah. The, the fact that they're having that on that day is a dog whistle. It, it's well, saying no respect to what happened there. We're going to have a rip-roaring time. We're going to have us a Trump rally on that day in that place. And that is the Trump whistle. I mean, the dog whistle. It, it kind of, it, it really mirrors the playbook that Ronald Reagan used um, that helped launch his political career when he did his first presidential rally in Louisiana. Anyway, I, I'll have to do some Googling um, to make sure I got that right. But it was a very famous spot for some racial injustice. And of all the places in America to start his, um, to start his uh, presidential campaign, I, I believe that's where it was. <sighs> but you mentioned the Jacksonville thing. Uh, Fred, so this has been kind of entertaining to watch, in my opinion. I could really care less. Uh, but, you know, the RNC convention was supposed to be in North Carolina. And then the governor there said, well, we're not going to we're going to reduce this thing. We're not going to, you know, we're going to abide by social distancing. And so, you know, dear leader wet his pants. And they moved it. Isn't yeah, that kind of what happened? Yeah, yeah. So now they're going to be down in Jacksonville, which is another coronavirus state that's starting to blow up again. Uh, Just ridiculous. So uh, I heard that uh, they're actually going to do it in both places. <laughs> There's some nonsense like that. Both? Yeah. North Carolina and Jacksonville? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't hear anything about that. Um. Um. Yeah, the, the, like part of the convention is going to start there, and then it, the rest of it is going to finish up, uh, um, in uh, in Jacksonville, and that's where he's going to speak. I don't know. Like, like I said, the whole thing is just a silly clusterfuck. I, like, whatever. 
you guys will do anything to just keep on trying to rev up your base. Just anything at all. <laughs> and and yeah. I, I heard that going back to that Tulsa, the uh, rally they're planning on having that, one of the things that Dear Leader said is he he, he expressly did not want to see masks. Oh, right, right. Basically because it's just a sign of weakness. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was able to look up here. Yeah, uh, Reagan gave uh, a, a speech in 1980 in Neshoba County Fair, at the Neshoba County Fair, which was in close proximity to Philadelphia, Mississippi, uh, where uh, there were a, where there was a triple murder lynching of civil rights activists. Hmm. How festive. Like, like who... Uh, who goes to Neshoba, you know, Mississippi, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where can we give a speech? Let's go to Neshoba. <laughs> I heard it's nice there this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's so interesting because it gives some background on what's happening today. Mm-hmm. That was exactly the precursor to what we're seeing with Trump. And Reagan was always the, the, poster child of Republican greatness. And now I think we're starting to see that, in fact, it wasn't really greatness. It was the beginning of of what we're experiencing right now, which is white supremacy gone crazy. Uh, I I, I put a lot of blame on Reagan, on uh, a lot of the ills that uh, we face and that we try to overcome in America. Many, many, many. I feel the same way. And it's so funny that he's held up on such high esteem by conservatives, and most don't even know why. It, it, they've been sold a bill of goods. They really don't know much about Reagan. He's the Gipper, man. <laughs> hey, you know what? Beer time. My pint is empty. Reload. And uh, Nobs will uh, hand it over to you since, uh, again, we ended up splitting on beers. Yeah. So this one didn't really work out. Um, <laughs> to say I, the least. Yeah. <laughs> I had initially purchased a beer that you guys couldn't find. So you got a secondary beer. And then I bought a secondary beer as well. But we still didn't match. <laughs> hey, hey, Red. Red. Yeah. Can I kind of fill you in on what's going on here? Please. Okay. Pre-pandemic, when we did the podcast, all three of us would be together at the same time. And what we would do is we would take turns buying the beer. So it was somebody's week to get beer. But since now we're we're still in pandemic mode and doing it remotely, There's three of us trying to find the same two beers, and we each live in different areas that don't get supplied by the same distributor. So it's been a real challenge to get the same two beers in everybody's hand at one time. So that's what this argument is about. Interesting. It's not an argument. It's just a problem. In in the Greek in the Greek way, it's an argument. Huh. Okay. All right. It's an obstacle. Um. But Nobs, when when you put out that it was a Midland Brewing uh, beer, I, I, I knew, knew we were trouble. in trouble <laughs> Be- because they don't distribute in, in Southeast. Parkway had three different 
Midland Brews, but not the one he bought. Ah, ah. I did find Midland, but not the one he bought. Well, I I did show it to to the guy uh, at the store that I that I should be going to. I, I I go to 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 Napa. I go to Grapevine, but Napa Valley has in increased their craft brew selection tremendously and added a walk-in cooler that the consumer can walk into. So uh, I'm pretty impressed. And uh, he said that he gets, you know, MCB sometimes or MBC, MCB, whatever it is, but not very often. And I went to two locations. Just real quickly, when you went to Parkway, did you check it out? Oh, uh, before, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it, it probably is a little bit better than Grapevine in terms of total selection. Um, I, I just like the way Grapevine has their organized. Yeah. No, I was just curious because we hadn't talked about it. Because, like, I was really impressed with Napa Valley today and how much they've increased it since the last time I was in. But it's horribly organized. I mean, I found odd side beers in probably four locations. <laughs> and you know the smart thing to do is to cluster them by brewery. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and 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 you know that that's probably harder to do. Where you know all of a sudden, you know you've got everything sandwiched in, and then you get another odd side. So how do you make room for it? Oh, it's just more room over here. And I kind of think that's what they're doing. So. Yeah, you know, it was really hard I to, to to try and find anything there, but he did he did confirm that he did not have the uh duck fight. Uh so uh what what do you have there now? You started with whatever you had. Oh <laughs> am I still on this? Hello. Hello. Um okay. So Fred, you had gone and got a dark horse beer yourself, so I went out and I got myself a dark horse. So at least we have the same brewery. Oh, you don't even have the Midland. No, I went for something else. Okay, at least he we're somewhat it. on theme. I know, I got it, I got it. So I already mentioned this earlier in our, our chat, but I have a orange pale ale that's made from blood oranges, and it's called Rain and Blood. Nice. Rain and Blood. Yes. That's, that's your kind of uh, title. Spell, for sure. spell is, rain. Uh, like rain from the sky. Okay. I didn't know if it was R-E-I-G-N or R-A-I-N. Right. Uh, but yeah, it is actually a tribute to uh, Jeff Hanneman from Slayer. It says on the can here. So The band? Yep. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> all, all these references. <laughs> all, these, all these cultural... You know, millennial references. I think I don't. I don't know that that Nas. I don't even know that his... Slayer is millennial. Well, I I know I I choked when I said that, but you know, just pick up a beer. Will you? <laughs> it says it should be enjoyed fresh and paired with delicious heavy metal. <laughs> Slayer. <laughs> Fred, do you know who Slayer is? Yes. yes. Okay. He's acting like you don't. No, but I was just wondering why the, why there was the blood rain. Is that a song? That's why rain and blood is like the most popular song. <laughs> okay, now I get it. <laughs> Do you Fred, have you heard of Slayer? No, 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 no. I answered the question honestly. Yes, I've heard of Slayer. Now let me ask you a question. Do you ever in your life picture Fred, the grassy troll, to sit down and listen to a Slayer album? 
Uh, do we want to go back to uh, music trivia when you got uh, let the when bodies the bodies hit, hit the, the floor? floor well, correct? Drowning pool. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, anyway, back to the beer. Okay, uh, but but here's here, wait, this is I, I, I got to make an important point here on the beer. All right, so uh, rain in blood is an album by Slayer, and it is spelt R-E-I-G-N. Booyah! And, the, and, 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 and that's what I thought should have been. When, when, when Fred, you asked the question, I thought that makes more sense, right? Yeah. Uh, but. That's what I thought. However, it's not done here yet. Um, there is a song on the album called Raining Blood. Spelt um, as in R A I N I N G. So, <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> and this and this is R A I N space I N space blood. Red, yeah. You got to help us out. You're a big Slayer fan. Help us out here. I don't even know. I, mean, I know who Slayer <laughs> is, but I don't listen to their music. Okay, so knobs, uh, uh, your your job is uh, to splice in a little bit of Slayer, raining blood. The album or the song? The song you can't splice in the album. <laughs> oh my gosh! Anyway, so so here here we go on cue. Here's Slayer, raining blood. Wow, that was fantastic. <laughs> this is the one splice I didn't mind, actually mind doing. Well, I, I, I demand uh, a little Helen Reddy because uh, Red knew who it was. Yeah, I, I am it. woman, hear me roar. Tell well, you, he, he knew what it was. He sent me a I am. Slayer. All right, let's, let's pour this bad boy with knobs. Okay, so while he's doing that, Fred, what do we got? Are we ever going to get to talk again? Yeah. So, Fred, it's okay. So, so, so you provided the second beer for you and I, and what do we got? It is a dark horse from Marshall, Michigan, Tunilla. It is a man. The writing is super small. It is a cream stout brewed with coffee. From Dart Street Roasting Company and Vanilla, I can't read it. Vanilla beans. Um, I, I suggest. For, I don't think it has to do with the with with the size of the font. I suggest you enroll in one of Red's classes <laughs> <laughs> because you read that like someone who could not speak English. I can't see it. I, I, it was brutal. It was brutal, okay? He doesn't I, I, read. I'm going to go at it a second time for those that couldn't put all, all of the words together. Like <laughs> Fred, Fred, Fred took all the cadence out of it, okay? It's a cream stout brewed with coffee from the Dark Street Roasting Company and vanilla beans. So they've paired up with some sort of uh, 
coffee shop, probably local to Marshall, Dark Street Brewing. And then they've got some vanilla beans to it. Um, and it's another it's a, it's another stout. So here we go. We're, we're really. Um, well, th- this is 7.5 alcohol by volume, which is nice. And, the, you know, I, since I couldn't find the um, MBC, I started looking for another beer and I stumbled across this particular one. I've had Dark Horse before and I, I believe I liked them. But what was the convincer was the price. And you had kind of mentioned it earlier. <laughs> it was four dollars. Oh my god! <laughs> I got these for four dollars, and I'm not, a bottle. I'm not ashamed of it in the least. Okay, uh, especially since it wasn't your week. This is uh, seven seven and a half percent. Fred, have you poured yours? Yeah, I did. Uh, this is three shades darker than the uh, duck fight. Yeah, this, this is oil. This is this is like from the Beverly, Beverly Hillbillies. This is crude oil. Yeah, black gold, Texas, Texas tea. tea. Uh, Red, if you listen to our last three episodes, there's a number of references there to the Beverly Hillbillies. Um, <laughs> Too many, some would say. Yeah, probably How everybody. Actually, references to the Beverly Hillbillies. It's the greatest show ever. <laughs> and it, Thank it's you. A, it's unfortunate, Fred, that we're doing back to back stouts. Because it's too easy to compare. Because this one is far better than Duck Fight. I agree. This is a really, really tasty stout, in my opinion. Ah, and for I, the price, oh my, oh yeah. my, right, right. Yeah, right. this one, this one. I, Who's your buddy? I, Who's your pal? I can tell this is immediately for me. Um, I, I'll, I'll go meh. It, it wasn't that Milk Fight was bad. Uh, not by any means. It uh, it's just not as good as what uh, other stouts that I've had, and and that bitterness was a little bit too lingering compared to this, where there is no bitter linger in my opinion. Bitter linger. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, you know dark, creamy goodness. Yeah, this is pretty good stuff. You know, this is, this really seems more like a genuine stout to me. Yeah, well, now, it's the now, coffee. It must be, yeah. Knobs would have hated it because of the coffee, so we would have ended up there again. Uh, so, Knobs, uh, how are? Tell us about your uh, your dark horse. Fantastic! It's a real nice dark orange shade color when pouring. Not a lot of head. Only five percent. Uh, very citrusy flavor. Uh, a little bit light, but I, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I think this is the for me. I really like it. Cool. Hey, Red, did you ever have the chance when we were out in California to have blood oranges? I did. I I am a big orange guy. I had blood oranges many times. Mm, those, those, are find pretty, those are pretty damn special. Hey, uh, Fred, how, how did you finish up on the duck fight? The duck fight. fight I'm gonna, the what? Fight, oh, milk. fight milk. I'm going to say it's probably a meh. It, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't anything special. So I'm, I'm coming down in the middle on that. Knobs? Uh, that's a not for me. 
It was mm. way too bitter. That taste lingered way too long. Yeah. You know, um, kind of circling back to that beer, I wanted to mention it before, and we did the Milkshake IPA uh, Mango Kiss. Oh, I got a funny story about that. Um, but uh, it made me kind of a little bit more curious about milkshake uh, and milk beers because I didn't think that they were made with milk. And if you guys already know this, then, you know, shame on me. Uh, but they're really not made with milk. It just means that they use lactose sugars. I had no idea either way. But it's interesting because when you read about milkshake IPAs, and you and Nobs both kind of nailed it on the mango kiss, uh, that uh, you kept comparing it to a slushy and how good it would be to be made into a slushy. Right. And Did you do it? No. Did you do it? <laughs> no, I, I didn't know if you were asking me or Fred. But, but when you read about milkshake IPAs, Oftentimes they're called smoothie IPAs. Interesting. So you 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 were right on track with the way people describe uh, that creaminess, that smoothness that the milkshake IPA uh, uh, has, and uh, you were calling it a you know a, a slushier you know whatever whatever however you're describing it, but frozen drink, but smoothie is often. Uh, another term that's used for milkshake IPAs. And the smoothie, again, doesn't have the milk in it. Sometimes there's yogurt, whatever, but it's the lactose sugars. Mm. I have two left in my fridge, and and I'm going to do some experimenting. I'm not so sure with carbonation, a blender is the right thing, but uh going to figure something out. <laughs> the, the other thing that I wanted to say about that beer this week was as I was working on the social media accounts to – to post our reviews on Mango Kiss, I I, I googled Mango Kiss. <laughs> Porn site? Uh, <laughs> no, but a very popular lesbian movie. Mm. Like, like has won many many awards uh, uh, for uh, its uh, multicultural or gender you know, different kind of movie. Red, you seen that one? Well, is it wrong that I immediately uh, Googled it? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, I have not seen it, but suddenly I, I feel the need to uh, to watch it. You know, so, it, was, it was a word that we used with Mango Kiss beer, intriguing. And now it sounds like you are intrigued as you Google away. So I, I Google Mango Kiss, and if you Google it, you'll see uh, stills of kind of like the, the the promo of the movie, you know. And it's uh, mm. you know these two girls that seem to be you know in, in some kind of intimate, yeah, enamored kind of. And it's like uh, I think like one's covered up by a sheet or something, right? If you're looking at it, there, red. Yeah, both are. Well, yeah, but in the same bed or whatever, and I, and and so, yeah, it did distract me from working on the social media. I did, <laughs> I, I did find myself kind of, you know, learning more about Mango Kiss the movie and who was in it. <laughs> Guilty as charged, and I thought I'd share that with you this week. So, Gotta love Michigan craft beer. Uh, <laughs> 
you know. And now what we have to do is we should watch the movie to understand why they use why the movie's called Mango Kiss. And also, if you look at the can, I I think this is not by accident. I think they've named that beer because of this movie. Hmm. Hmm. Now I'm really intrigued. There look at the imagery on the can. It's it, it doesn't look like anything until you kind of zero in on it. And I think it's like an open mouth. Hmm. Well, that would make sense with the name, too. Uh, yeah. I think you're seeing things. No, look at it. I'm telling you. I'm looking you. at it. Do, do you see what, what uh, to me, looks like teeth or something? You don't, don't see it, it now? No, I don't see it. What do you think it is? Just a bunch of orange and reddish swirls? Yes. No, it's not. It is. It is okay. not. It is much more subliminal than that. I'm telling you. All right. It's not by accident. And of course, they're using the colors of mango, but it's in some ways similar colors on the palette that they use for the movie. Good catch. Hey, just saying. Yeah, <laughs> just by accident. Serendipity. <laughs> uh all right. Um, how do we how do we jump in here? Uh, unless there's anything more to add about beer, we've gone 20 minutes on it, so that's that's probably that enough. A, that was a beer marathon. Yeah, it sure was. Uh, but one of the reasons, uh, Fred, and you can uh, correct me if I, I'm wrong, that, that you kind of wanted to talk about this and have read on a, as a guest because uh, you seem to know. Uh, and I know, you know, however long it's been since you've been reacquainted and whatnot, that, and, and Red, speak up, uh, that you're one of these people that has a divided family politically. And, you know, that's something that we have touched on, on Potoms Up a couple of times, but uh, we've never really spent a whole lot of, uh, of our time spending are spent talking about how to how to manage the split family politically. And off air, you'd said that you just had to deal with that today. Is that true? Yes, very much so. Um, I have a, a cousin who who is who grew up in Florida, and I have a very small family, and so I have four, five cousins, and so he's one of the five, and and he's been posting a lot of things that I consider racist, and I. And I call him on it because, you know, I, I feel like it's time to speak up. And, and today he posted a picture of his wife talking, uh, trying to explain what racism is. And, and I sent a message and I said, really, Scott? I said, please don't tell me that you're white as, you know, white as I am wife is talking about racism. I said, there's no way she knows about it. She can't understand it. And the problem I'm having with him and, and other people is, is the absolutely in, absolute inability to recognize what they do as wrong. And so how do you, again, you know, we talked about this, how do you get through to them? Because I've certainly explained over and over and over <laughs> how I feel and why I feel that way. And yet his responses are often attacking, um, just kind of, not very intelligent 
and then they don't they don't really answer the questions that you ask them. My my simple question yes. Right. That's what I find day in and day out. Yes. Is there systemic racism in America? And you know, they won't I mean that seems like a simple question to say yes to. Uh it's it's obvious. But now, you know, do I do I stop talking to him and I'm there? You know, I told him today, I said, I just don't have time for people like that. I love you, but but I just don't have time for people in my life anymore who 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 feel that way about other people. Yeah, no, it, it, it does put a strain on you uh, and a strain on relationships, especially when you get to matters as visceral as race, um, you know. I uh I consider myself fairly fortunate um that my immediate family um all really kind of see things uh, from a progressive lens um and at the very minimum uh see at least what this administration and the cronies around him are really about. So e- even if they would want to consider themselves conservatives or Republicans in, uh, you know, other times, um, you know, they still wouldn't ever find themselves su- supporting this group of racists that we, we have in the white house now. So I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I, th- I feel like I'm pretty fortunate that I haven't really had to, uh, uh, you know, make a decision about who I uh, continue to uh, interact with within family. Well, and for me, what I struggle with too is um, the comment that I'm attacking or bashing uh, when I feel like I'm simply discussing. Uh, and my older brother is a Trump supporter, and I and I, you know, it's the same relationship, which is. You know, we've always been so close, and now we talk less. Uh, and and I, you know, I I'm not sure. You know, my brother's a different situation than my cousin because you know we're just closer and and we live closer to each other. But I still have that same nagging distrust of of you know people that think that way. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it like I said. It's. And, and so what do you do? Like, you know, at what point do you cut them off, right? Yes. Um, do- when you're just going to be like, I, I've just had enough. I can't do it anymore. You know, yeah. the, the funny thing to me is I one day, not too long ago, I, I sat down and I figured out how long I've been voting in presidential elections and all, and all the different people I voted for, most which have lost. No, and I'll be honest, I, I don't pick them that well. Anyways, I, I started thinking about it. It's like even when my candidate lost, I didn't feel like, even though I would politically joust with people, I never felt like I wanted to walk away from them as a friend or a family member. It was never to this level, never to this extreme and, and, and it just, it just, there, there's this one person now in the oral office that is destroying family relationships. 
lifelong friends, um, causing all these other problems in the world. And, and the guy thrives on this division. It, it, it's his, it's like oxygen to him. And, so, and but, but, what? but are you really, are you really blaming him? Like, where's the accountability for those that are, you know, you know, slurping up his Kool-Aid? All right. Well, yeah, you, you, you make a point. He, he's not the one to blame, maybe. But I, I, I guess he's like the lowest common denominator. It's like, my, my point is I've, I've been alive for all these presidencies. And then this one is different. In oh, it's life. different. All right. No, it, it is definitely different. That, I guess that's my point is that this this kind of like the the depth of hatred, disrespect, whatever that's fomented, it, it's it's coming because of him being in office, and it just uh, flows down. No, he he's he's enabled because he's so deplorable. He's enabled other people to be just as deplorable, and you know he he's brought a lot of the cockroaches out into the light. Um, and, uh, you know, they feel as, as though um, uh, either backing up kind of what he says or, you know, going along with it just for the sake of going along with it is OK. Um, Nobs, you've got some family members that are kind of in the Trumpster camp, aren't don't you? Yeah, um, I have some aunts and uncles that are deep, hardcore drinking the Kool-Aid. And um, my parents, I think, are now on the fence. That's good to hear. I'm going to keep pushing that a little bit next few months myself. Now's the time to get him on the podcast. (laughs) We'll push him over the cliff. (laughs) See, you know. But but no, I've sparred with a few of my relatives recently. And honestly, anymore, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's someone I went to school with years ago or a relative or a coworker. I may not necessarily unfriend a relative, but I have unfriend other people. And it comes down to this isn't just politics anymore, necessarily. This isn't, hey, should we raise or lower taxes or right. any of the other you know, random political stuff that you would normally talk about. This now comes down to morals and values. Yep. And now that is when I draw the line. If you're going to go out there and just say the most horrible things, I don't want to be associated with you at all. I don't care who you are. And yeah. that's kind of what's getting brought out right now. Is It's not political. It's morals. Um, it, it, it's a great way to put it. Uh, however, they are so tied together today but i'll tell you one area where or at least in in one situation where they weren't tied together and that is uh like if i think about uh my father's perspective um he was a raging racist but boy did he hate trump <laughs> and <laughs> and 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 he really supported democratic and progressive policies. So try and match that up, if you will. 
Toronto, that's my dad in a word. <laughs> He's passed now, but we were in so, a so was my father. So was my father, yeah. We were in a restaurant five years ago with, with many people around and my dad said loud enough to be heard and, and my brother and I were there and you know, what do you do? What do you do? You know, you and and I don't know if anybody heard it. There were a few black people close to us and but I, I my dad was the same way. He would he was very democratic, very union, and he was very fair with people. But when it came to verbalizing his racist tendencies, he didn't see what was wrong with that. Uh, I, no, what? absolutely. That was my father as well. And, it, you know, it almost got to the point, uh, you know, I would shut him down. Like I would, you know, just mm-hmm. say, hey, you know, dad, knock it off or I'm taking off. Um, you, you know, but it was it was impossible almost to watch a sporting event with him. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, it would just come out, you know, and. And, you know, my, my kids are in their 20s now, but, you know, when they were in the teens, you, you know, you sort of laugh it off, right? I mean, you kind of like, okay, that's grandpa and let's not create a scene, um, you know, and I would say, hey, you know, dad, not, knock it off or I'm, I'm taking off, you know, and, and, it, uh, and, he, and he would um, un, until, you know, so, so some something else happened and then he would you know throw it out there again and be like oh you know why why do you why do you gotta be that way but but politically see that the division wasn't there because politically we met eye to eye you know what i mean and i always felt that in many ways uh you know a lot of the things that i believe to make society better he also believed so that that values equation that you were talking about, knobs, it, 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 at least in 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 relationship to my father, I would say that was, uh, I don't know, murky is not the right word because value shouldn't be murky, but uh, he he did have values that supported or tried to support the betterment of society and people. He also just had a very racist lens to look through it. I guess that doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but it. it it's the only way I can describe it. And, and I would add one of the things that has troubled me with all of this about my family and my friends is that I feel like maybe I didn't really know them. You know, maybe there's this person in there that I didn't know. And now I have to decide whether I can live with that person or, or I have to cut ties because that's been the part for me that's been the most difficult is I didn't know that people were that bad. Yeah. And that's where I say I'm fortunate because, you know, other than a couple of friends and, and, and really, you know, Fred, we've been friends for a long time and, and our circle of friends by and large is, uh, you know, pretty like-minded mm-hmm. and, you know, there's some, again, there's some guys, gals, whatever, that lean conservative, uh, but they really don't want to step in the ring with us. Like, <laughs> like they know better, right? <laughs> yes. So, so, so therefore they don't go there. Um, you think they don't want to step in because they don't want to argue or because they're not strong enough in their views to participate in a discussion i i think both and i i think what they what what they they also realize because they're they're not dumb people 
is that maybe their view really isn't uh, aligned with reality. But getting people to change that dichotomy is really, really hard. So rather than face that, that, that the notions that you are operating under are completely wrong, it's just better to avoid it. And then it sort of happens at its own pace. I'm, 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 you know, we talked about this a little bit before, Fred. I, I, I kind of wonder if, if Oscar kind of falls within that. Yeah. I mean, I used to believe he was on the dark side, but I, I think he's smart enough and analytical enough that I, I think he's coming around, but I don't know for sure. He, he's, he's, He's for the most part, he's done what you said. He's kind of stayed out of it, but I don't think that it's not that he can't handle himself in particular. I just think he just doesn't like the friction and doesn't, <laughs> doesn't well, want to but, deal but, with it. But if you really felt like your argument was substantiated, then you wouldn't be as reluctant to get into it. I mean, that, that's why I don't mind engaging, right? Because I, 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 where I engage, I, I have a lot of confidence in the way that my opinion has been formulated, and uh, you know, I, I think that's more human nature. You know, because that's where, you know, another example I can think of my own personal, um, uh, in my own personal sphere, right, is the the only real conservative person in my family, I, I would say is my, my cousin and, and her husband. And, you know, they're not even necessarily Trumpsters, but they're, they're very much in that pro, uh, pro law enforcement, uh, pro first responder, pro military, uh, because of some of their family. And, I don't know how to explain it because I don't know if she'll ever listen, but I don't want to say it's based on ignorance to really understand when she's aligning herself with that, but it's mostly ignorance. So I I think that they know that Trump's an idiot and a moron and bad for the country, but yet that's the tribe that has kind of aligned themselves with what their beliefs are on these other topics. Do do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, you know, if 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 law enforcement is 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 you know really important to you, right? And and in a way that says, okay, yeah, we we want to have you know strong militarized law enforcement or whatever, and no one can ever say anything bad about the cops. You you might think his tax policy sucks, but this best aligns with you in your tribe. And then when you get in there, how do you how 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 do you? do any other thing, but, you know, especially that tribe could demand such loyalty. Um, and I kind of, in the same way, and we've talked about my boss a couple of times, he's very conservative and just really believes that, you know, welfare is, uh, is a crutch that's, uh, either corrupt or used by too many that shouldn't. And that's his hot button, like everything everything comes down to, you know, people won't work if you give them money. And and that's his whole belief. And so once again, he ends up in the conservative right wing now, commandeered by Trump, tribe, 
he's he's stuck in that tribe because that his number one issue best aligns in his mind. I could make arguments otherwise, but that's where he sees it with with, with that particular set of values. Um, and uh, like like he'll even he'll even agree with me that okay, if people are on welfare and find that this is a better situation for them than to go to work, how do we fix that? You know, he'll 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 even engage me into that part of the discussion about how do you elevate people so that welfare isn't their best option. But in the meantime, he's just like, ah, you know, he just hates anybody that's on welfare. <laughs> he's from New Jersey, you know, everybody's corrupt. Blotto, that has been part of the problem in Minnesota is that what's happened in Minnesota is that you know, people come, you know, there's always been this historical reference. People come from Chicago for the welfare benefits. But the reality is, and, and, and almost nobody really understands this from the right, is we, we provided welfare for, for people, but we didn't provide opportunity. So what happened was, you know, just like your, your cousin, we, we kind of kept them there because that was their only way. They couldn't get good jobs. They couldn't get uh, housing. And so we, we, we did the wrong thing by providing welfare without opportunity. And so blacks in, blacks in Minnesota have suffered for years and years because of that lack of opportunity. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, a, a great point, a, a, a great observation on uh, root cause. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, uh, it, it seems oftentimes the conservative mindset just doesn't want to go to root cause. You know, the the the, the current focus on uh, police brutality uh, and criminal justice inequality. Um, you know, to fix that problem, you really have to go to root cause again, and not just you know say, "Oh, we got to just get rid of the dirty cops." You know, it's it, it's 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 not even close to that simplistic. But that's always, you know, one of the things about the the right wing arguments is they always want to be so simplistic about things, right? It's, you know, it, it's just the world is much more complicated, and 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 when you look at why they gravitated towards a guy like Trump, he brings it down to those those simple little nuggets that that people can digest. Uh, you, you know, we want to stop immigration. We'll build a wall. Okay, <laughs> you know that it's just it's just silliness. But you know, it, it's immigration policy is so much more complicated than that. Yeah, but anyway, back to how it relates to people. Um, you, you know, I, I I kind of crystallized my own opinion there on one of my previous rants and that even if people don't believe everything about a particular party or a particular angle about society, once you get in that tribe, you you almost have to drink that Kool-Aid. No going back. Right. And, and, And unfortunately, in the U.S. right now, we have two tribes. I mean, it's really can you can you dice it up any any other way, right? Is there it, 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 it 
it seems to be, <laughs> you know, Trump tribe or not Trump tribe. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and yet there's a lot of people, including my cousin and, 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 and my boss that I would say, don't subscribe to everything in Trump mm-hmm. tribe. And I don't think they're alone. I think there's, you know, a big part of his base. You know, hey, speaking of his base, so his uh, his polling went down, his his favorability went down to like 39 percent this week or 38 percent. And uh, somebody said, you know, that's the base, like that's the base of the base. Right. And that'll never go away. Like that's his absolute floor. And bedrock. The, oh, I like it. And someone said, what 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 should we call those people? <laughs> I'm waiting oh, for this. Man. What you got? <laughs> no, I, 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 I came up with uh, the Fifth Avenue shooters. You know, that's that's the best I could come up with. I like the sentiment, no, but it, off the it doesn't flow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my second choice was the racist. A little on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody care to take a shot? No pun intended again. Mm. I'd have to give it some thought. You know, the the bedrock is far too flattering. Yeah. Yeah, that does sound that that sounds kind of positive. Anyway, should we should we ponder that and come the back to the next stones, week? Because they live in bedrock. The Flintstones. <laughs> Well, I, I, I'm never big on explaining, but uh, yeah, but I like it. To that one, there's, I, yeah. I, I, I like it. The 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 rubble. <laughs> That's not bad. Have to have to get there by three leaps, right? Not just you know, <laughs> rubble, Flintstone, bedrock, bottom of the base. But at least it's double entendre, right? It's rubble. They are the absolute rubble down there. Yep. And that's uh, Betty and... <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you, you, you feel like you need to explain the Flintstones? <laughs> Never heard of them. <laughs> I hear they're not good people. Uh, again, again, knobs. When you take us out of here, take us out of here with a little bit of Flintstones music this week. Oh, you are just making me work for my paycheck. I am. Uh, you know, you're you're overpaid as it is. Still, if you have to see a paycheck. Uh, it's coming. It's in the mail. It's in the mail. <laughs> They've been lost for uh, 18 months. <laughs> 72 episodes. Yep. All right. Are we good? Anything else to add? Red, you got you. you, you we, did we miss anything that was important to you? You're welcome back anytime. Hey, man, what fun this is! I certainly enjoyed this conversation. Uh, podcasting is fun. Bottoms up podcasting is even better. We'll have to get you on some beer next time. I'd love it. So, pick uh, your stuff up from Minnesota home brews. We'll get your true opinion. 
Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I can drink a really cold Miller Light. That's about all I can drink. Lite. You're almost frozen for me to drink it. <laughs> all right. Uh, okay. Scott, uh, uh, Fred, where are you going to end up on the dark horse? Hmm? I liked it. Yeah, it's for me. Yeah, likewise. Uh, it's it's a it's a true stout. Really, really nice stout. And it maintained uh, pretty much the same flavor from start to finish, and uh, I thought it was good and cheap. And, and knobs, uh, rain and blood is for me. I really liked it. Uh, it's it's a summer beer, a summer IPA. Even is it a it, uh, refresh my memory? It's not a is it a red IPA? Uh, no, it's just it's a. Okay. It's an orange pale ale, it says. It's an OPA. Oh, wow. Add that one to the mix. Okay. (laughs) All right, folks. We're out of here. All right. right. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Bottoms up.